Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. James Key and music. And yeah, I can actually hear it in my headphones this time. So uh, things are going well. And making his return to the program after traveling abroad is one Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. I am full of Guinness potato, and it's currently one in the morning for me. So we're playing hurt on this one. <laughs> um, actually, that, that reminds me. I was going to ask you about that. So when you went and did the whole Guinness thing. Yeah. I saw the video of you pouring the Guinness. Yeah, it was perfect. Okay. So here's my question, though. Yeah. Was there like instructors telling you guys how to do it like yes. the Guinness way? Yes. And that's what they told you, eh? Yeah. Interesting. Because what they did, it, what they said is, is you hold the class at a certain angle like this. Right. And he actually like busted out like a fucking ruler protractor and showed you the angle. <laughs> and then he was like, the thing goes on here. You fill it up to this point so that the actual beer hits that point, And then you slowly tip as it comes out so that mm -hmm. the head or the beer is halfway up the harp and then the rest is head in the glass that they had provided I, I would love for the guy to be like a the calculus teacher he's like y equals mx plus b and you know sine and cosine <laughs> and then <laughs> actually it was similar but more of like an irish accent yeah i can't i'm not gonna try at least not on this podcast anyway yeah yeah we'll well, do the reason i ask is because i spent many years bartending and so you were doing it wrong I was 100% doing it wrong. Now, here's the thing, though. But here's the thing. We had, like, the Guinness representative of, I don't know, whatever the fuck, or whoever the fuck Guinness sent to the Canadian locations. Now, I don't know if he worked for Guinness Canada or whatever the hell, but they had, like, legitimate Guinness representatives that come into, oh, look at this. Maddie just grabbed a certificate to prove that he knows how to pour yeah, you, a proper. He has that. You don't, sir. He does not. I mean, that's a good point. I do not have any certificate that says I can do this thing. No, but they had like some representative come in and teach us all the bartenders how to do it. And it was a completely different way than what you were doing. Now, it may be because however our restaurant was set up, maybe like it wasn't the optimal way to have it like poured. Mm. So they had to like adjust the way we were told. Anyways, doesn't matter. I'm so, just saying, I assume you're right just because you were in fucking Ireland. So well, the thing is, so two things. One, over there tastes very different than it does here. Mm. Very, very different. It's smoother. Um, and you know, when you take, like when you drink Guinness, it has that kind of hit in the back of the throat on the first couple sips. Sure, sure. It sure. doesn't exist there. It's just, it's the heaviness it's the heaviness is still there so like the weight of guinness that like when you drink it here and you feel it it doesn't feel heavy there like it's it's heavy but doesn't have the weight that if that makes sense um and then also too it's like they even go over saying this is the perfect temperature of guinness like this is how it's supposed to be served temperature wise they're like a lot of places will either too warm too cold or whatever they're like this is optimal temperature and yeah it's really cool they're like the actual timing they like w if you do the perfect pour the timing of they call it like the amber rush or something i forget what it was called um or the amber rise and what essentially is is there is a clocked time that is within plus or minus like three and a half seconds for the suds to get to the top to form the head and that's how you know it's like 
essentially distance from that label to the top of the glass and the time it takes for the thing to get there. So like you would think it's kind of gimmicky and you're like, okay, you're just doing this for, but they have it broken down to a science of how it should be. They'd fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson in there to be like, (laughs) well, that's the thing is everywhere there the too. in the particles when they float from the label but that's I'll wicked that's so up. cool though like the fact that any any kind of i would say food or drink or whatever it takes that much pride in, in being meticulous and how it's done i think is actually really cool yeah and the other cool thing or i don't know if it's necessarily cool i found it like pretty interesting is you walk down the streets it's the amount of Tim Hortons and Starbucks and coffee shops that we have here, they have pubs there. It's like every fucking five feet. There's another one. And when you see people sitting outside on the patio, no one drinks anything but Guinness there. It's Guinness or water. That's all they have. Or like whiskey. And usually it's Jameson. And we also well, did that. I hope you have a glass of Jameson in your hand right now. Or... A glass of Guinness or, you know, a glass of water as well. Apparently they drink that in Ireland. And water you're going to enjoy uh, this week's episode of the program, which is going to include Davis Schneider, Kyle Dubas, Eric Carlson, Radko Gudis, and what I am dubbing Fight Weekend. All of that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode of 43.6, which is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. Before we get into all that, I would like to know what's going on in everyone's week because it sounds like we all had a crazy week. Um, mm. uh, maybe not James. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, I did. I did. I'm, I'm, I'm a very sore individual. Okay. Uh, we heard just a bit about Maddie's trip to Ireland. We'll jump into that in a second. But James, let's uh, hear what made you so sore. Dude, I, uh, I played 36 holes of golf for the first time in my life, like back to back. Oh, good. Good, because uh, I know our tournament's coming up, and I haven't touched a golf club since the last year's tournament. So. It was the worst 36 holes, uh, holes of golf I've played in my oh. entire life. Yeah, so good news. <laughs> Never mind. Right? Yeah. I don't know what happened, man. I w- I've been playing, and Maddie can attest, I've been probably playing pretty decent for me this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, Not just for you. It's just decent. Yeah, so uh, it all uh, went to hell this weekend. <laughs> uh, uh, I went out to Shaniki in Sharon and played 18 there. So Sharon's just north of Newmarket for our foreign or non-Northern Toronto listeners. Uh, and on the everything was fine up until the fourth hole. I think it was the fourth hole. And there's, it, there's this pond up the right side. And I hit my drive right in front of the pond. And I'm like, okay, this is not too bad. I just lift it over this pond, lay it up in front of the hole, easy chip onto the green, and we're two putting out probably a bogey not so bad boys i tell you the first shot i got my nine iron because i'm just gonna put it over this pond to lay it up into the water I'm <laughs> like fuck i'm a how did i not lift it like and and dude it wasn't even like it going up and into the water it just it, it like it just fucking went right into the water like, like if, if if you just walked into the water that's how this ball went and i was like fuck all right drop a ball and i'm like I'm, i just gotta pop it over this fucking pond same fucking shot the ball just goes right into the water like a ground like a ground out into the pond i'm like fuck and then my dad goes just play it off to the side 
And I'm like, no, I'm, I just got to get over this pond. So I dropped the ball. Same fucking shot. Right into the fucking pond. There's three balls straight into the pond. I'm like, fuck. And he goes, just move it out. And I said, no, I have to get over this fucking pond. I so know I dropped exactly the, ball. the tone of voice he was using, too. Right. I dropped the ball. I, I stop. I go, I'm just going to punch this up and over the pond. Same fucking shot. Right into the fucking pond. Four balls right into this fucking pond. Dude, I, I said, fuck it. I'm done. I took a 10 on the hole. And I said, we're moving on. I said, this, I'm done here. So I had a real shitty... Uh, game I had like good shots what was funny is that my, my recovery in the games was really good like I hit a couple seven irons out of the trees because I hit shitty shots into the trees that landed like on the green within five feet of the hole or um, you know I would hit a really nice eight iron to to pop it on the green from a real shitty lie so I don't know how my game went from having really sweet drives into having a really good short game and then nothing in between. But then the next day I played our local course. It was supposed to be nine. And then we were like, ah, fuck it. Let's just play through. And the cool thing about this course is that, so my dad and I showed up, we were supposed to play with my, well, my godfather. He was going to join us. He was going to join us. And, uh, mm -hmm. he, uh, he slept in nice of us. nice of him to let him let us know. He's going to sleep in. So another one of his buddies joined. His name is Brian. He joined us. And then we played the nine through. And then because like everybody knows my dad and his buddies on this course, at around the seventh hole, one of his buddies came up and he's like, are you playing through? And we're like, yeah, maybe. So he just joined us at the seventh. And then Brian didn't want to play the next nine. So another buddy joined named Stanley joined. So then I played another nine with three completely different dudes, which is really cool. And I kind of like, it's like cheers where like everybody knows your name. I kind of really dig that atmosphere. So it was good. Like, I mean, it was great to get out and play. I love playing. I, like, I think next year I'm really going to invest in maybe clubs or something. Um, if I can get out and, and practice a little more because I, I just want to. You, you've got like an $1,800 set. I know, but like dude, I noticed the caps, the back of the caps are falling off. So Well, it's because he also golfs like six times a week. So a year and a half of use is really yeah. Like, yeah. So but I think I wanted, you know, really invest in it because it's been as as frustrated as I was and as sore as I was, I did have uh I did enjoy it. And it's very peaceful getting out there and just kind of you know, letting letting the course be the thing, you know. So I don't. I won't suck. I've been. Wa I immediately came home, watched every YouTube video I could on all the things that was going wrong, and I think I got it all fixed. So we'll be good. We're gonna win. We're gonna get first We've crack at that won. prize table. We've never won this tournament ever, and uh, I don't know. I'm okay with getting the the, the socks every year. I'm okay with. Uh, <laughs> Dude, there's a the weird. There's some weird fucking prizes. Remember, I, one year I thought I was taking home a toy truck for my kid. Turns out it was a fucking John Deere model. It was all metal and shit. I was like, what is this? How did this make it here? It was. It had dust on it. I was like, I'm pretty sure this prize has been here for the last ten years. I remember one year Seb took the like Adirondack chair. Like that was a prize he selected. Yeah. He just he just never picked it up. <laughs> He's like, nah, I don't want it. <laughs> Wild, yo. But yeah, 
I would just be like, just give me the $25 Tim Hortons gift card and let's get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. But I mean, there are surely other prizes on the table. He willingly picked the Adirondack chair. But, yeah. You know. Is it still there? Can we just take it? That's a good question. I should look into the status of this Adirondack chair. <laughs> what like, is an Adirondack chair? I'm going to sign on it saying waiting for pickup by blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what is an Adirondack chair? Yeah. It's one of those like uh, wooden chairs you see on a you dock. A Muskoka chair? Like a Muskoka chair. Okay. So it's a Muskoka chair? I could use that on my Isn't it called an Adirondack chair? No, uh, it's fuck. called a Muskoka chair. I could have sworn it's fucking called an Adirondack chair. <laughs> Google do you have Muskoka a balcony? Dustin, I forget. Do you have a balcony? I do. Adirondack chair into Google is literally what I'm talking about right now. Is it, uh, do you have enough room for an Adirondack chair or should I take this Adirondack chair? Oh, you're more than welcome to have the chair. I actually do not want it. How do you spell it? A-D-A? A-D-I-R-O-N-D-A-K. Okay, so here's the thing. I think Adirondack chair is the Americanization. The Canadians, the Muskoka. I am led to believe a Muskoka chair is probably more of a Ontario slang. I'm going to message Gibson during this podcast. I'm going to message him right now and be like, hey, man, is that that Adirondack chair still hanging around? And he'll be the litmus test. And if he's like, what Adirondack chair? What are you talking about? And then if you have to like clarify and say, no, the Muskoka chair, then maybe maybe Maddie has a point. So when you Google Adirondack chair... There's a uh, link for homedepot.com. When you Google Muskoka chair, it's homedepot.ca. Bro, the first thing that came up for me was Canadian Tire, Adirondack, and Muskoka chairs. So, so do you want to be a Canadian or American? I mean, Canadian well, I Tire typed Adirondack. Adirondack chair. And we'll see what he says. I typed, I sent the message to Gibson. Here it is. I said, hey, buddy, is that Adirondack chair still hanging around? We'll see what he says. We, we'll have to see what Gibson responds with but i think it is in fact adirondack but who knows uh leave a leave a comment on this episode if you think it should be an adirondack chair or muskoka oh no chair. it should be 100 percent muskoka chair for sure <laughs> probably um but like i imagine Maddie, people since... if you went to wisconsin and you were like <laughs> check out this muskoka chair they'd be like what the fuck's a muskoka chair or where's muskoka no, i also don't i also don't think muskoka funny? is a well enough known place that's anywhere what I mean. outside of ontario a probably guy from Alberta doesn't even know. Guy from Alberta definitely no says Adirondack. Chance. Yeah. Anyone in Alberta, Ontario, or Alberta, Canada, knows where Muskoka. Or it's Ontario. probably like a Fort McMurray chair or something. They probably call it like something. No, else. they would have all burned down like four years ago. Oh, sir. <laughs> Was there ever a hockey player to come out of Muskoka, Ontario? Like Muskoka's not even a town, right? Like it's. A, I know it's there like used a, to be five from the Maple Leafs that right? used to go there. Yeah. No, you know what? Like, I don't think so. Mostly because I think they all just vacation there, right? Like, the reason nobody the actually thing I'm getting lives, at here is nobody actually lives in Muskoka. Well, actually, mm, there must be some people that live up there. But nevertheless, my point is, I would have no idea where Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia was, unless Sidney Crosby came from there, right? So it's and a Coal Harbor became, chair in and Nova Scotia. Became. So they call it a Coal Harbor chair in Nova Scotia. <laughs> All I'm saying is sometimes you go sit in the old Cole Harbor chair. Yo, you go sit in the Saskatoochee chair. <laughs> the only time we know about some of these ridiculous towns across this country is because a hockey player came from there. You know why, Dude, though? It creates a great story. If you search hockey players from Muskoka, the first thing that comes Braden up Hurst? No, is the Muskoka, the Muskoka five. five. Yeah, the Can legacy of the Muskoka five. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, Bobby so Orr. Is it Bobby Orr? 
What? <laughs> says hockey and Muskoka is much more than ore. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's probably because you spent time up there. I swear, didn't he come from somewhere in like lower Ontario? Perry Sound. Yeah. Okay. Well, not lower Ontario, but not even close. Yeah. No. Buddy, I, I got a 51 in geography. You think I fucking care? When am I ever going to use it? It's called Google Maps. They can fuck off. Well, you could have used some of your geography skills when you were in Ireland this past weekend. No, <laughs> it's called a wife. <laughs> she did all the planning. But nah, yeah, it was cool. Um, it was nice because, as, as I've said a few times, we've done Korea a few times. And that's where my wife's family is and stuff like that. So it's nice to do something that's, you know, my familial heritage. Um, it's the one thing I've noticed about Europe is that when you go to Korea, Tokyo, China and places like that is, yes, they protect and preserve their culture in terms of like temples or, you know, shrines and things like that. They just build the city around them. Um, but like in Europe, they just don't build skyscrapers. Like in Rome, skyscrapers not a thing. Ireland, not a thing. And I don't know if it's a population density thing because like London they have them, but I just don't know if it's one of those things where, you know, we like the population of Ontario is more than the population of Ireland, right? So I don't know if it's one of those things like that, but no, it was cool. So we did Belfast first. Um that was cool. We did, you know, Game of Thrones tour, went to the coast and the cliffs. Um, I fell on my ass on some jagged rocks and I couldn't like push up from my left leg for like four days because like a pointy rock end went right into my left ass cheek. So it was Dude, like you were bruised. like five inches from a real bad time. Bro, it was five inches from million to one shot, Doc. Million <laughs> to one. Yeah, pretty much um so but like that was really cool very scenic like very much like you would picture like movies and obviously that's why they filmed game of thrones here where it's the water crashing up against the cliff side and there's a jagged point coming out to the cliff side and it was really cool um and then yeah we you know hung around belfast for about four days then went into dublin and then did as i said the guinness tour and then the jameson distillery uh, the Jameson Distillery was really cool because their tour was essentially a production. Like they had videos and history and how they do it and everything like that. And you can pay for different things to do there. And one of the things I paid for is a straight cask draw. So they crack the cask and you take the whiskey straight from there. So it hasn't gone through the full distilling process and everything. And it's 80 proof. And oh shit. And as Jim knows, I'm predominantly a whiskey drinker in terms of like if i sit down have something it'd be that this shit hit me like a punch in the chest <laughs> like, i'm sitting there immediately coughing. i i smelt it and i coughed and she's like this hasn't been fully distilled this is essentially pure where it's like rubbing alcohol yeah <laughs> um and i took a sip and i was like <gasps> <laughs> like i said it felt like someone sat on my chest um so that it was a cool experience because you're in the cask room and you know you get to see them all lined up and stacked and everything like that that was cool but the one cool thing i really bought from the jameson distillery is they make a special blend in distilled version of their whiskey there that they only sell at the distillery like you can't get it anywhere else in the world 
Um, and they said, if you've had it or gone to a bar and they've served it to you, they said either a, it's a bottle with replaced Jameson's in it. Like they got a hold of the bottle or someone bought it, brought it there to their bar and have it up on the wall. Um, so I was like, my wife kind of convinced me to buy that. She's like, this is a cool thing to get while you're here. Would that send um, you back two bills? It was like 150 Canadian. So it wasn't too bad. And it was like a full bottle. Like it wasn't one of those small ones. It was a nice like. It's like a 40. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, the funny thing is, is the food there is exactly what you think it'd be. It's stew, it's potato, and it's meat. That's really all it is. Um, and the funny thing is my wife doesn't like potato. So like, I, I had to eat all of, like anytime it came to potato, she was like, tried maybe half of it. And she was like, oh, you can have the rest. So <laughs> you're just having like two or at best 1.75 servings of potatoes in every meal. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the portions were substantial when it comes to it. Um, and it was her first time trying like traditional Irish but stew, which you don't like stew. Meat. No, I don't like soupy stew. Like, I don't like the shit in a can where it's like all water and soup and like with a few vegetables thrown in and a couple hunks of meat. Like this was the traditional like Guinness Irish stew where it's all meat and potato and veggies with some gravy. And it was really good. Um, Went to the oldest bar or pub in Ireland that was open in the 1100s and it's still going today. It was really cool. But uh, which is funny because I saw the picture of it. And that's Brazenhead, right? Yes. And then there's the Brazenhead in Toronto. I wonder if they even oh. know that like that exists. I don't want like, Oh, they probably do. And I looked at it and I was like, this is a, and that's the thing is their pubs there. It's all aesthetic in terms of they don't put effort into being like they do places here where we got to make it look really nice and whatever. It looks like you would see it in a movie or coronation because history like history that. did it for it like yes you know it wasn't made like here everything that and that's one of the things i hate about here is everyone like will talk about oh we got to go to this place, got to whatever and it's so inauthentic like it's so you know like that manufactured looks, yeah that looks the way it does because history did that right and that's that's what we said we were like we're sitting in a spot that people used to like straight out of the witcher where you would hitch your horse and go in there for stew and mead and you know before cars were a thing and you know you were just a waypoint um you know on a journey or something like that so but you're you're right it's all everything there is just steeped in history because and we joked we're they're saying this pub's been open since 1810 and we're like these fucking places are older than our country and it really puts our country into perspective right so um yeah, that was really cool. And it's just, I don't know. It, it was also cool learning a lot about, you know, obviously Jim and me are aware of our family being Irish and, you know, our family is really proud of the Irish heritage and things like that. But then he, learning a lot about how 90% of Irish people can trace their lineage back to Vikings because the Vikings settled Ireland in the year 800. And... <laughs> then just kind of went off from that. And so, so long ago, like year 800. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so they were just saying, you know, that if you're Irish, you can trace it back to that. And you can see a lot of it in the artwork from, you know, Viking era up into like the Celtic era artwork. And there's a lot of similarities between the two. And it's because of that. So yeah, no, it was fun. It was 
the first experience with the kid and she's i've never seen a more popular fucking baby or infant like flight attendants were holding up aisles because they were just playing with the kid or at the pubs they were all like sit her on the bar and you put her on the bar and they're like playing with her and stuff like that and she's giggling and smiling so you know people that are really nice too because lifestyle is different they don't give a shit mm. so but no it was cool hopefully we get to do it again um my dad was saying today he'd like to get all of us over there as in jim and his his brood and me and my brood and my dad and stepmom and get us all over there would be cool one day so yeah that was my week and i'm very tired because like i said i got back at seven o'clock last night and it's currently 1 a.m for me yeah i got back late last night as well i was also big time in, zone shift for you yeah yeah huge time zone shift actually it's funny you say that i i don't understand why my phone does this but like when i go somewhere it's like oh hey world traveler i see that you're uh not in your home location so we're gonna put the local time and your home time on your uh, on your phone screen now that's android so, for it. it's stupid yeah i mean i i don't necessarily agree with that but the point is <laughs> um yeah, it's really annoying. Like at my phone, I'm like, I have changed time zones. Like it says local time and home time is the exact same time. Anyways, yeah. So I did also go somewhere and uh, mine was not nearly as far. Still the same time zone, although still an old city, though. The cool thing about Boston how it has a lot of like American history roots in Boston. Like they have this Freedom Trail thing you can walk down and see like all these different old buildings and stuff. I didn't do the whole trail, but like I, I did a few things here and there because my main reason for going was one Cooperstown, which we hit on the way back. That's where I got this uh, Blue Jays hat I'm wearing currently. I'm wearing the, uh, as someone said today, the Angry Bird Blue Jay. I was going to say, dude, go, dude goes to Cooperstown to get arguably the one like logo that most people are like, oh, I'm glad they moved on from that. It's, it's, it's been long enough that this is now a throwback. This is almost like 20 years old, if you think about it. I know. If, I have the jersey, the black one. Do you, you really? know what? That's yeah. the same here. Then uh, I have the black one too. The I think we both got them the same day or the same time. Yeah, the I love opener. the black. Okay, so I I'm if you guys ever see one of these in a thrift store, I'm looking for a black Roy Halliday jersey. Oh, I mean, I'll sell you my black one, and then you can just put Halliday on the back. <laughs> I may do this. We'll, we'll, the, we'll discuss uh, later. You know what though? That's not the worst Jays logo. I don't. Know, I think we've had this discussion before. It's not the worst. The Jay's worst logo. one is the one with the it. Canadian maple leaf behind it. Mm, yeah hold on hold on hold on hold on like that one i might have to pull up the one i always think it was the worst one is what i call the flexing j where it's these like the, the ace is like it's like it's the t it's the eric hinsky logo i think of it's like the t and you have like yeah. uh ace it's the same era a, i think those were interchangeable pose. is the delgado so era. the one with the yeah the one with the can the flat or the the maple leaf behind the jays logo i i, I associate that with like the the roger clemens days yeah, and I'm, I agree. Yeah, not great. Probably one of the worst. But I still think the flexing Blue Jays by far the worst Blue Jays logo of all time. Well, it's just the hat like... I'm wearing. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, the hat I'm wearing currently to describe this. It's the black logo. You'll know what I mean if you're a Blue Jays fan. The black logo the Jays had from the early 2000s. So the one with the. Are you talking about the one with just like the maple leaf on the side, or the one where it's like the maple leaf right in the back? In the back. Yeah. Okay. okay so that J. Like the picture of the blue jay they have looks like he's got like no neck, it just goes ch or sorry, no chin, it just goes like beak to neck. 
and he just looks like a kindergarten druid. Yeah. And but like the ace flexing one, he's wrapped around the tees, flipping the ball. He's got the bat. It's not too bad. And he's got a, a, a maple no. leaf tattoo on his arm. I don't like Come that. Come on. Yeah. I don't that's mind the one that I, I like the one that's on the hat or the one that was similar to it, where it said Jays with the same kind of logo. Like that was okay because that's the jersey where it the says Jays. The T in that model was stupid. Yeah, it's Times New Roman. My <laughs> <laughs> God. But it's yeah, good. No. we're in we're in a good spot. We're in a good space now. We're all right. Yeah. Anyway, so well, Cooperstown. Cooperstown. Actually, this came up this weekend too. We were talking about jerseys and stuff. And as we were walking to one of the other stops while we did this trip was to see the Toronto Blue Jays in Boston against the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> and some of the Red Sox fans walking around were wearing their yellow city jerseys. And one of my friends was looking was not the, the biggest baseball fan like he's just there because he lives in boston we haven't seen him in years and he was saying like the fuck like why are the red sox like have a yellow jersey what the hell is this i'm like i don't know man but like i was trying to explain to him like the city jerseys and like how we're supposed to get one next year and so we were all like hypothesizing what we think it's going to look like oh, man how cool would it be if it's this fucking logo guys the 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 angry bird j but instead of like the black jersey with the blue maybe it's a black and gold I want to make this the ugliest fucking thing in the world. I, no, I can't someone's going to fuck it up. Watch. Someone's going to roy royally fuck up that city jersey. Like, there's going to be a great opportunity to make it, like, really cool or interesting or whatever. Someone's going to be like, this is what the kids like. It's hip. And, you know, they're just going to royally fuck it up. I fully. So this is what I expect is going to happen. They're probably going to do this thing where they're like, Oh, the everyone in the league is doing a, a city concept jersey. Where the fuck is called City Connect? We're gonna do a Country Connect, and they're gonna do a fucking red jersey, and it's gonna suck. But if it's anything other than that, I think I would like it, and I'll probably have to buy another hat now. Cooperstown Experience. Oh, I just, uh, the Cooperstown Experience, or just is whole it, weekend experience? Is it no Cooperstown? Is it like the Holy Land of Sports Hall of Fames? Like that's the way I envision it. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it was a nightmare to get to, though. Like you have to take like this fucking back road and onto another back road and this winding road. It's it's really it's like a, it's a tiny ass town, and the entire town, or at least, at least Main Street on this town, is just baseball stuff. So you're just going into like random stores and little pizzerias, and instead of a the Hard Rock Cafe, they have like a Hard Ball Cafe. Like it's everything is just baseball. It's really really cool. The museum's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Uh. The plaques are just awesome, like the way the hallway looks and everyone's in, I mean, the Hall of Fame. Like, it's it's really, really well done. And something I didn't think I would see, um, as you go up on the other levels of the Hall of Fame, like, they have, like, just memorabilia and stuff. And, like, they had Roger Clemens stuff in there. I was like, huh. Like, I feel like all these guys who... Like needles? Are, like, shun... Yeah, oh. right. Like an autographed needle, <laughs> like blood <laughs> dripping off it. Like some of these guys who are shunned by Major League Baseball, you figure like they wouldn't have a presence in the Hall of Fame. But like Roger Clemens had a very strong presence there. I don't know if you guys saw a picture I posted on Instagram, but like it was Roy Halladay's hat from when he yeah. threw like his three thousand strikeout or whatever. Well, that was fucking cool. And then there's this big, like probably seven foot LCD video display that you can interact with. It's like a touch screen, and it's almost like. I don't know if this is going anywhere, but it asks you four questions of, and it's basically asking the same question, but four different ways. Basically asking you, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? And 
I voted yes on all four questions. And like by the end of it, it shows you the results and like 75% of the people who use this interactive display said that Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. So I thought that was cool. Again, I don't think those votes are going to go anywhere or make any difference or whatever. But I still thought it was interesting that he's there. Like he, his name is there and under the record, they have a area for just records and like he's there for most hits. And they have that big display of whether this guy should be honored in the Hall of Fame or not. So I thought that was really cool. I, I wasn't expecting that. Definitely worth doing. If you're going, especially like from Toronto, it's only like a four, four and a half, five hour drive, right? It's if you care about baseball. Really? <laughs> I think that's a big caveat. I thought it was, in my head, I thought it was further. Oh, no, not at all. So like it, we drove to Boston and we drove because the flights were ridiculously expensive. So we drove to Boston on the Saturday and then on the way back, we stopped in in Cooperstown. We arrived in Boston like Friday night because it was like a nine hour drive, whatever. Um, we get to the hotel. My buddy's already checked in. He lives in New York. So the three of us are all staying in his one hotel because, again, hotels are fucking expensive, too. Sausage fest. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, anyway, so he meets us in the lobby. We uh, go to the elevator. We're like hit our like, sixth floor or whatever. And like as the door is about to close, like, these people are like, oh, no, hold the elevator for us. So, you know, you do the... the polite thing you open the elevator for them oh no i grab the, i grab it i try and force it <laughs> you're like sorry fuck you guys <laughs> as the doors are closing give them like double middle finger yeah and then it, they actually get the button it opens like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> like oh oh my bad and yeah these three people walk in and we have like the briefest conversation with these people like i'm we're just going to the sixth floor so it's like oh hey where are you guys from yeah we're from toronto this guy's from new york oh cool all right well see you have a good trip and as we walk out of the elevator i say to paul and rich i'm like do you guys know that that was fucking Fonzie? Is it like Henry was Winkler? Fonzie? I'm like, that was Henry fucking Winkler. It's like, no, what? Like, I am 99% sure we just spoke to Henry Winkler in the elevator right now. I'm like, is there some sort of Comic Con going on around here? And hey. I looked it up. And there's like fan expo was going on down the street, and one of the guests was Henry Winkler. I was like, huh. That was uh, something I didn't expect cool. to see Love in you a weekend. Of- yeah. <laughs> He's a big. He's a he's a massive sports guy. Yeah. Is he really? Oh yeah, he's a he's a big Chiefs fan. Big Man, Chiefs I, fan. That would have been cool to like have an extra five minutes with that. You should have got this to... guy on the show. What are you doing? Oh yeah, see that's what I'm telling you, James. We football need football preview cards with QR codes. Football preview with Henry Winkler would have been crazy. Yo, if we right, get we'll those ready by Fan Expo, I'll hand them out. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna clip out that uh, elevator story, and then we'll. Uh, send it to Henry Winkler on Twitter and see if he can corroborate this story yeah. of X, staying at a hotel in Boston. I won't, I don't think I should give away the name of the hotel. Uh, I mean, he's long gone now, but just in case they use that hotel regularly for that sort of thing. So, and so anyways, all this being said, this is all mainly for us to go to see the Blue Jays in Boston. And that's where we're going to start our first sports stories this week. A history-making weekend. For the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, going into this weekend, everyone was thinking, I don't know, the Jays have a dog shit record against the American League East right now. And actually, that also reminds me, did you guys hear that story of the Baltimore Orioles uh, broadcaster? I don't know if he was radio guy or he was... A, I was just reading about it. Yeah, you saw... So, I don't, James, I don't know if you saw this, but I don't know if he's a TV guy. I think he's a TV guy. Yeah, TV pregame. You, during the TV pregame. Do you know his name, Eddie? Right. Uh, Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. Is Wait, he the pitcher? Let me, let me con- is he the old pitcher? No. no, no, no. He's a he looks like a young in his thirties yeah. play by play guy. Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. Confirmed. And 
it was the Rays and Orioles. The Orioles were in Tampa, and he was like literally talking about a graphic. Like they put up a graphic showing the record of the Orioles against the Rays, and he's saying, "Yeah, like in the last sixteen series that the uh, Orioles have come down here, they haven't won any of these game, any of these series. Like they've had a really bad time here in the Trop, and blah blah blah. Uh, coming up tonight, and like just he's doing broadcaster shit. Apparently, they suspended this guy indefinitely for like, yeah." For talking about talking how bad, bad the Orioles the were. That they gave him the info and did a graphic on the screen pre-prepped. He was reading the fucking graphic. Get some help. Like, why? He was reading much. the graphic. Now, okay, that's the story that we've heard thus far on X today. I don't know if there's any other reasons why this guy got suspended or something. But if it's just because he's talking about how shitty the Orioles have been, because he's literally talking about the graphic that's in front of his face. I don't know. That's, that's could you could you imagine if that crazy. happened here for the least man? No guy would ever be working for that. This sounds team. like some Vince McMahon single. shit. Don't talk about how bad this guy's in the ring. <laughs> Put him over. <laughs> Your orders like, are good now. That's, yeah. that's that's true. Like people say that on commentary, they weren't allowed to acknowledge that Hulk Hogan was bald. They were never allowed to say that on commentary. Could they say Skullet? No, God, no. No, <laughs> you could not. The only way you can Why get away with that is if, <laughs> is if Vince McMahon, and it's possible, if Vince McMahon had no idea what a skull it was. Yeah. Like if you just, if you like worked him and said, oh, Vince, it's, it's the name of a, it's the name of a, a whole band. It's a band. It's a, <laughs> it's a very, yeah, it's a very popular metal band right now <laughs> called Skullet. Can you Don't book them for mania? <laughs> Don't worry, Vince. There'll be a lot of skulls going around. Don't you worry about that. Right? Have them, have them play up your play. <laughs> so similar to the Orioles and Rays. And again, we don't know the whole story of this guy, why he got let go or not necessarily let go, but why he got uh, suspended. I hope that it's not because of that reason. But similar to the Orioles against the Rays, the Blue Jays have been horrendous, uh, especially against the ALEs this year. So going into Boston, I think they were only up like three games, maybe four. I think it was, three that was games. two up on. It was two games up, up two on games the, on, on the Red Boston. Sox. Yeah. Going into that weekend, this past weekend, and we were thinking, oh, brother, I hope they just win at least one of these games. Like, I don't know if they'll be able to win this series, but let's fucking hope they at least win one so they don't get bumped out of a playoff spot. Because had Boston swept the Blue Jays in that series in Boston, which happens a lot, it would have been the end of the Blue Jays, at least current hold on that last wildcard spot. But something that none of us were considering was the emergence of the greatest athlete to ever play for a Toronto sports team. None of us knew that the future Hall of Famer, the man that's going to go down as one of the greatest men to ever hold a bat, Davis Schneider was going to come out of nowhere like he's fucking Randy Orton and deliver an RKO on these Boston Red Sox jabronis. What did this man do? He only became the first player in Major League Baseball history with nine hits and two home runs in his first three games. Not only was it nine hits and two home runs in his first, two, in his first three games, he did it at Fenway Park. Not only did he do it at Fenway Park, this motherfucker hit a home run in his first major league at bat, which apparently has happened four times in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays, which is pretty fucking crazy. Didn't JP or NCB do it? Yeah, he's. I feel like Aaron CB did it. I feel like Brett Laurie might have did it. I don't know. I don't know if it was the first game, maybe. No, it's um, 
It's Aaron Sibia and then two older, two older guys. Right. Well, nevertheless, it's pretty impressive. Now, today I think he's zero for three, so <laughs> whatever. Um, but it was still man was a shot in the arm for this team with Bobachet going down, Paul DeYoung coming in, and he, he ain't it with the bat. You know, Paul will probably save you a, a fair amount of runs defensively. But offensively, he's not very good. Having this guy come up and be able to produce immediately, they put him in the three spot on Sunday. He's leading off tonight. That's not normal. And this team really needed it. And especially considering that tonight, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Hyunjin Ryu was pitching a perfect game through four innings and then got a comebacker to his knee and left the game. So... Don't know what the status of Ryu is. I don't know. Hopefully he's okay and he makes his next start. But the way he fell and how much pain he looked in, it doesn't look great. He was able to walk off the field, though. So that's that's good. So by the time this podcast comes out, maybe we'll have another. We'll have a more clarity on that situation. But the Blue Jays are in an interesting spot right now. But man, that weekend in Boston. <laughs> With so many Blue Jays fans in attendance, too, right? Like, not just me. So, it's not like it was me on an wh- island there. Which game were you at? Were you at the Reese McGuire game? Aha! So I was at the Reese McGuire game. Oh! <laughs> yeah, so I only went to the Saturday game. And that game was just wild. Because, first of all, you had the, the home run from, I think it was Brandon Bell who hit the home run. And I was just, like, literally reading aloud on the video board. It said, like, in his career... Um, Brandon Belt has hit two home runs in nine at-bats against Nick Pavetta. And as I read that out loud, he smashed a home run. I was like, three? Like, I, I literally <laughs> yelled out three as loud as I could. And I feel like, unless you were in the conversation between me and Paul, like, Nobody no one else knows. <laughs> no why one around me is like, three? why is this guy yelling three right now? <laughs> but man, yeah, it was so there's a couple things that came up there. Like, later in the game when Rob Snyder came in to, like, pinch hit, I was like, what the fuck? Like, Rob Ref Snyder, this guy's still in the league? What's with the Boston Red Sox having like these random throwaway Blue Jays that I didn't think would still be in the league anymore? And then, sure enough, later in the game, Reese McGuire came out. I'm like, Reese McGuire? The public fornicator? Like, what's he doing still in this league? Uh, the public masturbator. There's a difference. Well, you could fornicate yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's called masturbation. Yeah, Touché. He's, he's a public fornicator. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, he got charged for that, so I can I can say that. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> not a legend. Trouble. Like there's literally there's no legend yeah, there. Like he's court been charged for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so man, everyone was confused as shit, right? Like it's the bottom of the ninth. The tying run was on second. That was Reese McGuire, and the go ahead run I think it was on first, and then the, the batter would have been <laughs> more than enough to win the game. Smoke that ball into the corner, and it's one of those things where everyone gets up, right? Like the ball is hit, everyone just starts standing up, and you're. And I'm at this point, I'm like, "Fuck, this game's over." Like the Jays just lost. I can't believe they fucking lost this game. So I was a little dejected, and then Kiermaier caught the ball, and I was like, "Okay, cool, fuck, great." Like one more out, and the Jays are out of this. That's fantastic. And I was just like sat back down, like I didn't even realize what happened. And then, like, I look over and, like, Vladdy's doing his thing where he's, like, pointing to Jesus. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Like, what, <laughs> what happened? I honestly had, had no idea until, like, I saw the replay again. 
And it was even funnier when he found out it was Reese McGuire, the public fornicator that apparently doesn't know the rules of baseball. Fucked himself again. He decided just to just to take <laughs> off. Yeah, he fucked himself again. That's a great way of putting it. And now the rest of his series. Dude, although uh, you look at the replay, the third base coach is waving him in real hard. Um, but also, like, it's, you, you got to listen to the, the Red Sox commentary. It's fantastic. They're like, oh, no. They're like, no, <laughs> not this. It was like the, it was like the guy. Jim Ross. Who, it, was, it was like if Jim Ross had sex with the dude who did the Rudy Gay thing for Toronto. Not this guy. No, no, my God, no. <laughs> it was it was so funny. But, dude, uh, just to go back on the David Schneider thing, dude, it's funny because they, Buck and Dan were talking about the David Schneider possibly getting called up, I think about two games before he did, and they were talking about how bad he was mashing the ball in AAA and how he's like basically flying through the system the dude was like a 4,836th pick too he was he was way at the back he was like the 50th round this guy was picked and he's 5'9 built like a brick shithouse the guy I'm like he's he's jacked he's got a mustache too yes and do you think do you think he gives free mustache rides after games or like stretches like that 100% now, 100%. also, if he keeps this up, he's he's rocking the glasses too when he's batting. I see, I envision a giveaway next year, guys, where it's like a glasses mustache mask yeah. kind of thing, and then everyone's gonna oh. rob a bank immediately after. Um, you know what's funny too? He hit his home run off James Paxton, which apparently he had been facing during Paxton's AAA rehab stint, which is hilarious. He's like, I fucked you in triple A. He's like, I know this guy. (laughs) Boom. But yeah, dude, I mean, the the interesting thing is that, you know, hearing Ross Atkins after the trade deadline saying, you know, we we wanted looking for a bat, and then all the reports came out that maybe the Jays were fine addressing the bat issue internally. And maybe it's Davis Schneider. I, I mean, he's the best Schneider on this team. Home run? Yeah, Captain Biggio just had a two-run home. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Wake up, Captain Biggio. Um, David Schneider is already the best Schneider on this team. Um, so I don't know. What does he play? Does he play second? So he had been playing second over the weekend. Tonight he is playing in left field. So he can play a bit of the infield. He can play a bit of in the, out, the outfield. Um, I, would li- I don't know if this is going to happen. You probably won't try this out in the majors, but I would like to see him at short to see if he can hang there and get Paul DeYoung out of the lineup if he can. To, but, to be honest, I think he's a little too wide for short and not tall enough. I think if you're a short, you want to have some length in case you have to stretch for um, ball, like any balls hit between the, the bags. But I think he'd be perfect uh, at second base, to be honest, if, if he has you know sufficient defense. I mean, I, to be honest, the only thing I've heard about is his bat that he just mashes balls all day. He has like an insane OPS in the minors. I think it was like in the 900s, which is like ridiculous. So, dude, I'm stoked. It's about time we had something else, a, another young player to be excited about. I mean, we felt like we sold off a lot of the the uh, the upper tier prospects. So to have a guy like this, especially, you know, basically like a found wallet being taken late in the draft, something we always see in other cities and other sports happen. Fucking Tom Brady, 
you know, Pavel Datsuk, Zetterberg, all these guys taking like hundred over or hundred thousandth overall. You know, it's nice to see the Jays possibly pick one up. I mean, it's early, right? Like nobody should be. I know you're saying the greatest to ever hold a bat. <laughs> oh, I mean, but obviously, I'm joking. Yeah, I mean, let's just hope it continues. Let's hope he keeps a steady hand. And what the Jays need is something like this. A guy who has a high OPS can help manufacture runs. The Jays are atrocious at runners in scoring position. And if they can have this guy in a place where he can start cashing in some guys, moving runners around bases, like that's what this team needs, right? You know, like I feel like when they grip their bats too tight and things aren't going their way, they still have guys that just want to mash home runs. And sometimes you just got to put the ball on the field, you know, get a single, get a double, and start moving, like, base runners. It's something I've wanted to see from this team for a long time, and I feel like we haven't seen it. So maybe this guy can help, you know, in that in that area. Because I think that's what this team needs. It's just a guy who's going to move people uh, around, around, the, around the horn. Something else I did want to quickly mention that probably should have mentioned earlier in the show. I did see Ninja Turtles today, and it was really good. I, I recommend going to see Ninja Turtles, especially if you grew up watching Ninja Turtles and loving Ninja Turtles. And also, I think if you do go to see this movie and you realize, oh, shit, I forgot how much I love Ninja Turtles, and maybe you should probably also check out Now Your Treasures, because I just saw them post a whole bunch of Ninja Turtle stuff on their Instagram. Because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit now your treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com and visit now your treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. Um, yeah, like uh, some of that Ninja Turtle stuff looked really cool on their uh, Instagram. And oh, yeah. uh, it just reminded me of like how much I enjoyed that movie, which I saw today. And I don't want to spoil anything, but like what I think is the, the coolest thing about some of these animated movies is I try not to look up the cast list. And I knew I wouldn't know like the cast of the Ninja Turtles themselves because they're played by actual teenagers. But there's other people in these this movie and it's cool to like hear them and like, oh shit, is that so-and-so? And like play that game with yourself all the way through the movie until the credits and you actually get to see who it actually was. It's a big cast. It is it's John a really Cena. Big cast. Yeah, like I, I was, that's a great example. Totally forgot John Cena was in this movie until the credits rolled. I'm like, oh yeah, that was John Cena. Um, <laughs> like just totally over my head. Big, big update. On the Adirondack chair. Oh. oh. I got a picture of it. <laughs> it's I, it's red, still there, isn't it? And it, no, it's... <laughs> Gibson said, he told me a while back to keep it. It's been on my porch for years. And he sends me a picture of this chair. <laughs> you have to so, get a confirmation of, is it Adirondack or Muskoka chair? Yeah, I'm going to ask him. So the fact is that you you typed Adirondack chair and the I man did. responded with a picture of said Adirondack chair. Oh, I autocorrected to Muslims <laughs> instead of Muskoka. <laughs> is this a Muslim's chair? <laughs> oh God. God damn. 
I don't even know how <laughs> you you could possibly recover from such a thing. Now, but Samsonite, I was way off. Oh there. man, that would have been good. Too late now. The time yeah. has passed. Maybe I can do this one. Adora Forest, Ophelactory, Marinations. <laughs> that move. Well, sometimes when you're typing on your keyboard with your thumbs you don't get what let you me want. just say by the way the guy who invented the qwerty keyboard is a fucking asshole and i'm gonna tell you why okay whoever decided to put the b next to the n almost cost me my career many a time at work <laughs> trying to say we have a big problem <laughs> you mean a bigger problem well that could have cost me my job for sure but either one <laughs> either one <laughs> Could you imagine get, get, getting attacked? Right? What, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, could you imagine what like Sir? a response would have to be to something like that? Dude, like, wait excuse a minute, me, what? can you explain? Enlighten me. What do you mean by this problem? What, what exactly is so problematic there, James? Can you come, can you come to the office? We'd like, we'd like you to explain... Exactly what you mean by this. <laughs> anyway, that yeah, guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> almost you wouldn't be in job. line. Yeah, you would be looking for a new job. Uh, and you, on your job search, you wouldn't be able to apply many places with language like that. But you certainly wouldn't be able to get the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins role because that has now been assigned to one Kyle Dubas. Can you, no. can, would it be assigned or would he just be like self-absorbed? Because can you self-fornicate? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Well, according to the, the X by the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Penguins are proud to announce a handful of promotions in our hockey operations department. Congra congratulations to Kyle Dubas and all these other people. So they are you know, talking about it as if they're announcing a promotion. But he promoted, <laughs> like himself, promoted, but. He promoted himself to a job <laughs> under his. <laughs> Honestly. Hey, hey, it's the analytics. Yeah, congrats on your promotion to the job that's under yours that you gave yourself. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I wish I could do that. That's Donald Trump-esque. I want to go into work tomorrow and say, hey, I'm promoting myself to do everything that I'm already doing plus, you know, some stuff below me and give myself another, a higher salary as well. Do you think he's getting more money for this? No. I mean, you got to think that there, I, like, if it, if it were me, I wouldn't pay myself the entire other salary, but I would pay like a fraction of it, maybe half, because <clears throat> I'm sure the organization would expect savings. I don't know. So here's the thing. We all know about surplus, right? Yeah. What if he has a budget and you have a general manager budget for like, two million bucks or whatever? And you're like, well, if I start doing the job myself and don't pay myself any extra money, then when I have to go and actually hire a general manager, I don't have that money in the budget anymore. Hmm. I'm just saying I can see an argument where he just gave himself a two million dollar paycheck or whatever the number is just because um, you got to spend it or lose it, to, use it or lose it, right? Yeah, exactly. And supposedly, this is all because Brandon Pridham told him to go fuck himself. Now, probably didn't say it in those words <laughs> or anything close to those words. But like we, 
had been alluding to on this show for many weeks that we just assumed, especially, okay, the, the number one reason why we thought this, or at least I thought this, when Kyle Dubas hired Jason Spezza to be the assistant general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I thought that was a foregone conclusion that Bren Pridham or someone within the Maple Leafs organization yeah. was going to come in as a general manager because that never happens. You never hire the AGM before. Hire. Yeah. Right. For a president to hire an AGM before hiring the GM, normally the GM is the one who hires his AGMs. So that's not a normal thing that happened. So the hypothesis was that, yeah, either Pridham or someone within the Maple Leafs organization was going to be the one that fills that GM role. And they're just waiting until July when, or end of July, I guess now it's August when the story broke, waiting, all, waiting out the month of July to see if he could actually uh, talk to Brandon Pridham. But I suppose that didn't happen. Or Brandon Pridham said no. And so here's the thing. What do you think happened here? I think that is, obviously this is speculation. We don't know this for sure. There are also some insiders, like I believe it was Elliot Friedman, who said in an interview to NHL Network, that he also believed that was the case too. That Brandon Pridham was a, was the number one choice for Kyle Dubas in Pittsburgh. So it's not just us three idiots making shit up. There's actual people who work closely to the NHL who are saying this too. What do you think happened here? Do you think, A, Pridham said, you know what, I have a family here. I don't really want to move to Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh is like the Hamilton United States, just, you know, just saying. Hmm. Um, also, like, as a Ravens fan, fuck Pittsburgh. Or do you think, and I kind of want this to be the truth, the Maple Leafs obviously knew that Kyle was doing this. Shanny knew, right? He saw as he let go, or as he fired <laughs> Kyle Dubas, yeah. and when he fired Kyle Dubas, when Jason Spezza immediately handed his notice, he knew... There may be more coming. Dubas was like that, that dude he, from Half Baked. He's like, "All right, who's coming with me? All right, who's coming with me?" Do you think that Shanahan then went to Brandon Pridham and said, "Look, you're making X, and I know if Kyle Dubas is going to offer you a GM role, he's going to give you he's going to give you Y. Why don't we just give you X plus Y plus Z right now?" For you to stick around as the AGM. I mean, yeah. I think it's probably a little bit of Prim's been here for what now, 10 years, roughly, give or take. And so he's, you know, I obviously don't know his family background, but if he's got, you know, partner and kids and, you know, they're growing up here, especially if those kids are in like their first, second year of high school. Like you can't just pull them out of that with all their friend base. It's a tough time for them to do that. So it could be a mix of both. And he's sitting there thinking about it. And Shani's like, look, I get this opportunity. What well, you know, maybe we can bump you up a little bit more, maybe not directly to two million, which is what would be your G you know, your GM salary roughly, which I doubt it would be because I don't think most GMs make, you know, three million dollars. But he might say, you know. If you're making, you know, 750k a year, what if we can get you to like 1.5 or 1.2 and bump you up an extra little bit? I also think that, you know, one of the things that maybe we discount is the Leafs are very young still as a team with their 
core of players here. And Pittsburgh maybe has one, two years left of a window. And with no assets in terms of prospects or picks because of where they've been for so long, trading away first round picks, being good and not drafting really high or trading those prospects to bring in players to help them. That once Sid Letang and Malkin leave, and now Carlson, who's also in his mid 30s, that team's going to be very bad. And very if you're an incoming GM, that's a lot of heavy lifting that as a rookie GM, you may not want to take on. You look at that and say, I can go in with Sid and them for a couple of years, maybe make some moves to augment those guys. Great. But once they're gone, so yeah there's a couple first of all i think dubis in his head dubis in my mind was like i'm gonna have this position for brandon pridham and brandon pridham only and if he can't do it or he doesn't want to do it then i'm gonna do it which looks like shit because this guy was talking about how much you want to spend time with family and blah 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 and now he's taking on the president and gm role which everyone said he was trying to sewer brendan shanahan for so it looks real kind of fucking grimy that that is now the case that he's taking president gm but i digress if i'm for one do this too you you save a bullet in your chamber from firing a gm because now if things don't work out you just go and hire a gm and you're still good as president right so you because you're not going to fire yourself really you just kind of step back and give somebody else the job so there's that the thing with predom though i think you you were kind of close to it is that Imagine the the Toronto Maple Leafs need Brandon Pridham probably more than anybody in that organization right now, with the exception of maybe Austin Matthews. Like I think the the value that those two bring to the organization are very very close. So, if you're in Brandon Pridham's situation, that's like ultimate job security, right? If he goes to Pittsburgh and things don't work out, like even though you're working for your buddy like there could be calls to your head like calls to your job and you're you're a step you're another thing to happen if things don't go right they can get rid of you and replace you i don't think the maple leafs can operate without him at this point in time considering the like we've talked about numerous occasions the cap gymnastics they have to pull to get through an entire season so if you're him this is job security man like they they need you so, I mean, if, you, if you're already doing the gig, you're being compensated well, and I'm assuming he's being compensated even better, like you said, what's, what, what's in it for you? I don't, I don't know that there's, there's, like, sure, it's a promotion, but to what end? Like you said, there's, there's really no end game in the next decade. I don't know. Is it, is it a much better, is it, is it actually a promotion? It may be in scope only. I, I do also want to mention that we give a lot of shit on this show to uh, Kevin Biggio. And not only did he hit a two-run home run in this game that's happening as we're recording, but he also did an unassisted double play to end the inning in a very hairy situation for the Blue Jays. So Kevin Biggio is stepping up huge here. But in the absence of a general manager, yeah, uh, Kyle Dubas has had to step into that role. And... Now, as a general manager, he's made his first really big splash in acquiring a guy that, you know, we, we talked about already because we were talking about the age of all these Pittsburgh Penguins. But 
acquired a big piece. Like regardless of like the some of the down years that Eric Carlson has had, he is still arguably one of the best offensive producing defensemen in the game. At least he was last year. You know, he's had some, you know, times where he spun his tires a little bit, but it seemed like last year he got back on the tra- the trajectory he's always been on, especially when those days when he was in Ottawa. Um, I mean, he scored over 100 points last year as a defenseman. That's fucking wild. It was also wild in terms of what it took to get Carlson to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, <laughs> pack a lunch here. This is, uh, there's a lot of it's moving parts really on this trade. So, and this is all summarized nicely uh, on X by Elliot Friedman whose handle is still free chalking in Canada, which is kind of funny. Pittsburgh acquires defenseman Eric Carlson. Forward Rem Pitlick. I have no idea who that is. Uh, forward Dylan Hammerluk. Sure. Uh, and San Jose's 2026 third round pick. San Jose acquires Pittsburgh's first round draft pick, which is top 10 protected, which is interesting. Forward uh, Mikkel Granlund. Defenseman Jan Ruta. And forward... Mike Hoffman, huh? The fuck? Yeah, that's right. Because Montreal acquires Pittsburgh's 2025 second round pick, defenseman Jeff Petrie, goaltender Casey DeSmith, and forward Nathan Laguerre. Holy crap. Okay. So Petrie and DeSmith are going to Montreal. Hoffman is going to San Jose. And Carlson is going to Pittsburgh. There's a well, I mean, Grand going. Don't don't discount Yan Ruta. I was gonna say, like, I, I totally skipped over Grandland and Ruta as well, who's going to San Jose. Ruta was which, a big piece for Tampa. Which I feel like has more to do with cap, you know, maneuvering to get some of these contracts moving around because Eric Carlson is making a shit ton of money. And especially up against the cap. San Jose is retaining one and a half million dollars of Carlson's salary. And Pittsburgh is retaining 25% of Petrie's salary. So this is exactly why Brandon Pridham needs to be (laughs) in Pittsburgh to figure out this cap rat's nest that is going on in Pittsburgh right now. Because after adding Eric Carlson and his $10 million cap hit, 10 million fucking dollars for okay? four years. You know how much we complain <laughs> for the next four years? How much we complain about Matthews, Marner, and Nylander? This is a fucking defenseman making $10 million. Who's like Anyways. 35? 30, uh, uh, he's 33. 33. 33. Yeah. But still, I know. Not, but he will not be 35 guy, making so, 10 million. Yeah. He'll also be like 30, 37 making $10 million. <laughs> um, currently, as it stands, Pittsburgh is $80,000 over the salary cap. They're over the salary cap. But that's also because Cap Friendly has uh, Jake Gunsel at a long-term injury reserve, which he will not be on. He mm-hmm. will not qualify for. So he's going to have to be added to the active roster, and that's an extra six million bucks up against their cap. So, and this fucking okay, moron let's... signed Tristan Jari for five and a half million. Sure did, but the Smith is off the books. So that helps. Well, it's weird. So first of all, I don't know why Montreal's reacquiring Jeff Petrie. I'm assuming it's because they need to have a defenseman who's played more than 15 NHL games on their roster. So, I mean, anyone, that's the thing is, I'm looking at this. Anyone who thinks that Montreal's going to try and take a step, be like, we're young, but we got a lot of talent, blah, blah, blah. No, 
like pack it in. That's going to be a rough season for them. And I'm assuming the Casey DeSmith trade means flat out carry Price is never playing again. Like I'm assuming that's because well, they have Montembeau and who's the other guy? Jake Allen. Jake Allen. Jake Allen. One of those two dudes is either not coming back or is being, you know, dealt or something. But I, I just think for a dude who like, you're who has the reputation from coming from Toronto, saying you know you give up your first and second round picks a lot and blah blah blah. For a team in Pittsburgh that already has nothing in the cupboard, you're giving up a lot for a guy that is 33 to augment. Two guys that are like 36, 35, 37-ish. Um, I just... Yuba said this when he came in, though. Like, he said, I'm betting on Crosby and Malkin but they have... they... and Latang, And so this is betting on them, saying, I'm giving up a first-round pick. I know it's top 10 protected, but still, giving up a first-round pick for, with the aging core that you have but currently. They, they move out Jeff Petrie, who is a protector, of the back end of the ice and they just bring in again he brings in the more speed and skill at an expensive price tag and he it's proven that it can't work and if it's not going to work with austin matthews who's scoring at a 60 goal clip it's not going to work with 36 year old 37 year old 35 year old Latang, crosby malkin however old they are right it's it's not those guys also have long injury history Latan, right. Crosby, and Malkin all have severe injury history. So, and this is the thing is, Carlson had a Norris caliber season, no doubt. But the previous two years were not great. Also, <clears throat> may I remind you, he had a Norris caliber season, scored over 100 points. Can you tell me who the other scoring options were on the San Jose Sharks? Right. Like, Nothing. this guy... This guy probably scooped up a lot of points that probably historically went to a lot of other players. You know, Meyer goes, basically what they're left is Thomas Hurdle and Logan Couture. No, Hurdle's gone. No, Hurdle's still there. Yeah. Sorry, okay, I was thinking Timo Meyer. For context, Eric Carlson last year scored more points than he scored in his previous three seasons combined. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So like, is... Is is that year more what you're getting, or is the previous three years? What's like, his is this year the aberration? Average? What's his career average? All those Ottawa years are ruthless, though, for him. So he has scored mm, 796 points in 920 games. So 82 point or 82 <laughs> percent. So 0.82 points, which isn't bad. But like I said, is is last year more? Of likely what you're getting or the previous three years when he also played a real year. real shitty pacific division yeah and also like he's never played this well like he's never come close to 100 it's an aberration before. yes like when we talk about those great years in ottawa it i think was, like 75 points was his best year in ottawa or like 80 pr- yeah pretty close like he had a 74 point season in 2013 2014 he played all 82 games there then he had 66-point season, all 82 games. Then he had an 82-point season, all 82 games. Right, and then 71-point season in 77 games. Uh, then he kind of trailed off a bit his last season in Ottawa, 62 points in 71 games. Then when he went to San Jose, he signed that big contract. 
Like, I don't know what Doug Wilson was smoking. I feel like weed was legal in California, and that's why this happened when he signed an eight-year, $92 million contract. Eight years, $92 million for a defenseman. Like, look, I get defensemen are important. I'm not saying they're not. But you you can't break the scales like this. And, like, the economy of scales of your roster and the NHL players, like, if you start giving defensemen almost $12 million a season, what the fuck are you going to pay anyone else with, you have, right? You have more forwards to pay. And look at... And the other thing, I just... I don't, I don't see this as the right move for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, I'm sure the Penguins fans are excited. They have 100-point defensemen from last year. Sure, be excited. You know who needed Eric Carlson? The Oilers, like they they can't afford him, but they're they need him. Do you know what I mean? Do you know who else could have used him? The fucking Kings. The way the Kings are building themselves, they could have used him. It, the Pittsburgh, it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And the thing is, is I just like I said, I just can't get over that. If one of these guys goes down for an extended period of time, they have nothing. They have no, they have no, you know, like say, say it's to the point where if it's something that a guy should be sitting out for three or four games with, you know, like a nagging injury or something, trying to give him a night off, they can't do it because yeah. they have zero cap space to bring someone into play. They have no prospects to come in that you would want to play. Um, It's just, I get what he's trying to do. But I look at this and especially in an Eastern conference that is very, very good. Well, that Metropolitan division is, is with Jersey, New Jersey looks is going to be better. The Rangers are going to be better and the Rangers are already good. You have the Capitals who are always going to be good. The Islanders who you think should be better, although you know, that Pierre Engvall contract, he's going to be lazy as fuck now because he knows he's getting paid. It's just... Yeah, I, maybe he's... Think- I feel like his his MO is, let's just get into the playoffs and see what happens. Like, that's his thing. And if he thinks this can get them into the playoffs, then maybe he thinks that's how it goes. Like, whatever happens, happens. Imagine this. It's The season starts, and I can tell you one thing for certain. Okay, this is going to happen. The, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to set a record this year. And that record is to have the absolute oldest power play in the history of the NHL. If you think about a power play line of Crosby, Malkin, Jeff Carter, Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, it's like an average age of like 34. Dude, they're the oldest maybe. team. The oldest team in the league got older. So here... I, this is this is this is who they have to go up against in the metro. You think they're going to be better than Carolina? No. Jersey? No. Rangers? No. No. Islanders? No. That goaltending in the Islanders is going to be real good. Um, Washington? Maybe. Philly? Yes. And Columbus? Yes. Not necessarily. No, I, not, necessarily. Yeah. I honestly, as much as people want to shit on him, I think what Babcock can do with some of the pieces that are there in Columbus. I'm very interested to see what Babcock is going to do in Columbus, honestly. You know what? For He's, again, we have to, 
we shit on a lot of people for being like, oh, fuck this guy. He said this, get him out. But then there's other guys who are like, hey, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them an opportunity to, to try and be better. So we kind of have to give him that courtesy as well. Yeah. And he, he said all the right things to say, do I like how it was talked about? No. But do I agree with some of the things that were said in terms of that I have to be better? Yeah. He's like, you know, times change. And he's like, this past three years gave me the opportunity to reflect and understand where I have to be better, where things will work, where things won't work, and what I have to do to become different, evolve, and be better. Like, he said all the right things. And half these guys in Columbus survived John Tortorella. And if you have a self-aware enough Babcock and one who strikes me as the type to when he says something like that, he will put in the effort to be better then. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be a very hardworking team. And like Adam Fantilli is going to absolutely torch Fantilli, Kent Johnson, Goudreau, Goudreau, Zach Wierenski. Pardon? Zach Wierenski. Zach Wierenski. They're moving line A to center, apparently. Yep. Um, and what's that other what's that other Russian kid's name? Mar- Marchenko? Uh, I'm that, not sure. That came on the scene last year. I think it's Kaparchenko. But he's real good. Yeah. I they, just... still have, they have Boone Jenner. Yep. Still leading leading the charge. So And such a Babcock player is Boone Jenner. So oh, like when you think of prototypical Babcock players, Boone Jenner is one of them. I, I I think the division will shake up as your top five are going to yeah. be similar Kirill, to what it is. Kirill Marchenko, the guy, the kid had, you know, twenty one goals last year in fifty nine yeah. games. So, I, I I see Pittsburgh being in the bottom three of that division. To be honest, now will they? And that's that's just that division, like against teams in their division. Now, do you think they're going to be better than the Leafs? No. Tampa probably not. The Panthers no. Dude, the Sabers look good. Their defense is huge. Who they have Jake Bean six one, Tim Bernie six foot, Blankenberg's five nine, Bachvis six foot, Good Branson six five, Andrew Peak six three, Ivan Provorov six one, Damon Severson six two, Varensky six two. Like these guys are massive. Yeah, and that's just like in their division. But when you look in their entire conference, Ottawa is going to be better. Buffalo is going to be better. Florida is good. Tampa is good. Toronto is good. Boston may regress a bit without Krejci and Bergeron. But without a I centerman. Mean, yeah, Montreal is going to be trash. Detroit might even be better. So, I don't know, man. Like you're You're hitching your horse to a guy and a team that is not only older, but is going to have to be in a really tough conference. And I they're going to need to find a goaltender, like uh, whether it's Jari playing well or not, because, you know, similar to Toronto and Klingberg, you know, being a defense, like Carlson's a defensive void, right? Yeah. And the he's... way Jari played last year, again, they're paying him now. The guy's got to show up for the Penguins. Like he has to show up. And... There's a lot of commitments being made here on Dubas's part to these players and shit that I just I, I do I I feel like they should have been not committing to anything at this point in the cycle of the organization. But hey, what do I know? 
I wasn't GM of the Leafs. I didn't lead them to the first round of the playoffs for 10 years. So, you know, I didn't lead the Sioux Greyhounds to whatever they won. I didn't lead the Marlies to a Calder Cup. So, what do I know? Mm-hmm. Well, what I do know is that maybe Eric Carlson is or isn't it for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I can tell you certainly that there's been a lot of teams that were interested in another defenseman named Radko Gudas. And this came out earlier this week when Radko Gudas was talking to, and I don't think I'm going to say this right, Denny Sports, which according to Google, uh, Google Translate actually, because I don't speak Czech, according to Google Translate means they are the only sports newspaper in Czechia, which is interesting. I thought there'd be at least more than one of those, but nevertheless, that's what they say on their Twitter page. Excuse me, on their X page. Now, on uh, as uh, Radko Gudis was speaking with this newspaper. Now, again, I don't know if this was a newspaper article or they have like a podcast associated with it or a radio show associated with it. But as far as I understand, it's from Denix Sports. All right. So Gudis was talking to Denix Sports, which again, I may be saying wrong. Don't know. And he said, Radko Gudis said, that is pronounced spell. That Radko said that he received offers from Calgary, Edmonton, and Toronto before he signed with the Anaheim Ducks, which would be really interesting if he actually signed a contract in Toronto. But nevertheless, he didn't want to play in Canada, though, especially in Toronto. I like how he threw that in there, too. He said the media pressure in the playoffs was crazy. He felt it even though he was only playing for Florida and not Toronto. So... I don't know. Um, I, would I have liked to have seen Radko Gudis in a Maple Leafs sweater? Probably not. But at the same time, if that means he's uh, an asshole to every other team and not the Maple Leafs, I can, I can see the appeal. But this is not the first time we've heard this this offseason. Ryan O'Reilly, when he signed with the National Predators, also suggested that the Maple Leafs sent him an offer. I don't know if it was a better offer or worse offer than what Nashville gave him. But in the eyes of Ryan O'Reilly, it was a better offer because he chose to sign there and also citing the media pressure in Toronto was a deciding factor. Maybe not the only factor, but it was a contributing factor to his decision to sign with the National Predators. Now we've seen it with Radko Gudis. This may happen more often than we actually get to hear about. I don't know why we're hearing about it a lot now. Like Players are more open about who they were negotiating with in the offseason than I think they've ever been in the past. But, man... I, I, I'm kind of scared of the precedent this is setting because I've been saying this for years. I don't understand why the fuck media is allowed to do what they do in the city. I would tighten that shit up if I was in charge to make police. And that is something that maybe our new general manager can take a look at. But at, I mean, first point of business is the goal song. That needs to change. Hmm. But if Brad Living wants to really shake things up and make it his own... That could be an avenue to look into because this is the second time we've heard this in just this offseason. How do you feel? I think it's an easy out. Like, he's also the type to kind of be a troll a little bit, look like a troll, act like a troll. Um, so part of me thinks that maybe, maybe the contract offer, like you said, wasn't as good. And 
he's taking a bit of a shot to be like, well, you wanted me, but you didn't want to pay enough. So he's just taking a little shot at the team, right? Um, because it just, I don't know. I also think maybe he's afraid that if he did have to come here, he would have to answer a lot of questions for his, you know, dirty play that he's had and some of the bullshit things that he's pulled over the years to some of our players. And then, you know, that he would have to answer for that, both whether in the room or in front of the media. And he's just doesn't want to do it. What my thing is whenever I hear an NHL player say this, or whenever I hear, Oh, player X doesn't want to play for the Maple Leafs or doesn't want to play in Canada because of the pressure and blah, blah, blah. I think about other pro sports and I don't, I don't understand. Like, does this happen elsewhere? I don't seem to hear, I don't seem to hear a guy go, well, he doesn't want to play for the Yankees because the pressure and the spotlight being in pinstripes or, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to go play for the Jets because of the spotlight and the history and the pressure playing for the Jets. Like, Good players, quality players, it seems like athletes in every other sport don't have this problem. And for some reason, in hockey, hockey players are like, please, no, camera, ah. Like, they don't want to, <laughs> you know, even in their interviews, like we've always talked, it was like, yeah, well, we got the puck deep. And blah, blah. like, there's, they're just devoid. It's like they just want to go play and leave, which I get. I do kind of get. But at the same time, in this day and age, it's since the early, I would say the mid '90s till now, sports has changed. You know what comes with being a pro athlete. You can't just duck out of it. You can't just, you know, sure, good is fine. Go play in Anaheim. You know, don't win a cup. Whatever. Don't care. Like it's. I don't understand. I mean, he probably won't win one here either. But I, I it's just it's so. I just don't understand how you can be a pro athlete and be like, nah, pressure. Like, you're a fucking pro athlete. You know what I mean? Just, like, can you, is there another example from another sport anyone can even reference off the top of their head where someone's like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want the pressure. I feel like a lot of that we hear about from other sports is the opposite, where, not necessarily the opposite, but like, you don't hear them saying, oh, I don't want to play for the LA Lakers. No, everyone wants to play for the Lakers. You don't hear people saying, oh, I don't want to play for the Yankees because of the media. No, they, they all take the bag with the New York Yankees coming knocking and handing you a fistful of money. So, I get, here, now, here, here's my question. If there was no salary cap and, you know, someone's offering Radko Gudis $6.5 million on no salary cap or $7 million on a no salary cap team to come to Toronto, you think he fucking says that? No, he doesn't. He takes that bag and he, you know, takes maybe that shit. Is, uh, gr- spotlight price tag. I don't, maybe. Right. Um, I just, I don't know. I think what it is, it's an easy out for guys that are. My, my belief is, is that you play the sport, you take everything that comes with it, whether it's some of the media accountabilities, some of the other shit that you have to do, like. I get it. It's shit that no one necessarily wants to do, but that's the price you pay for doing what, you know, the rest of the world wishes they could do, you know? Um, And I just also think it's, like I said, it's an easy cop-out to to use that as an excuse, whether you don't want to go to a team or, you know, 
there's other reasons or, you know, maybe they, you don't feel comfortable. I just, I don't know. I just find it's kind of an easy excuse to just use and bail out. To me, it just yeah. seems cowardly almost. Yeah. It, it is interesting because he did sign with the Ducks. And I feel like we're at that point in free agency where guys are either going to sign for a lot less money for a contender or they're just going to start accepting contracts from the Ducks and the Blackhawks. Because right now, those guys have like fucking nobody under contract. Maybe or Arizona, Matt Dumba. Yeah, like Matt yeah, Dumba. Yeah, exactly. Which I look at that contract and it makes me angry that we have John Klingberg now. Because <laughs> we would be under the. No, we wouldn't. We'd be at a million and a half. But we'd have him for four million. I mean, again, a guy taking a contract to, to parlay till next year when the cap goes up and whatever plays in a quiet spot. Again, I guess maybe that's it. He goes, he he can look like a million bucks playing for Arizona because he's going to be the number one guy on the squad. And then he's going to make bank next year, maybe. I'm willing to bet one way or another by the trade deadline, Matt Dumbo will be traded to the Maple Leafs. Just, <laughs> oh. just keep that in mind. I know it, it's one year, 3.9 million. The Maple Leafs will find a way to make that work. Oh, they Thanks. can. Yeah. Long-term injured reserve, um, salary retention, you know, they retain 50% of that. So he's really only coming in at, you know, 1.75. And then, you know, the salary retention plus something going back the other way. Say if Klingberg doesn't work out, you ship him out the other way. There, it works. I like it. I like it a lot. Let's keep your eye on that one as the season progresses. I think there is something there. Now, I got a question. Now... People loved Ryan O'Reilly here when he was here. They all hyped and whatever. Do you think when him and Gudis come here to play, because each team has to go to every city at least once, do you think, one, they give it to him, and two, what do you think that media availability is going to be like after those games? That's actually a fucking great point, Maddie. Um, I don't know about the fans because I don't know how much like people remember those things, especially Maple Leafs fans, where so many of the people in the lower bowl are like all corporate seats. Like how many of them actually are like following the Leafs day to day, and especially at this like micro level. But man, if I was a news outlet and I had you know X amount of press passes that I could use, I'm using every single one of my press passes and requesting more. And sending every fucking reporter I have just to fuck with these guys. Right. And it's the only time I ever want to hear Steve Simmons question. Because you know his is going to be the most annoying one to be asked. And I just want to see the looks on their faces. I think they'll boo Gudis because he's a fucking dick. But I don't think they'll, they'll give it to O'Reilly. The <laughs> Quickly before I'm sure we're, we're going to move on soon. Why does every dickhead name like a dickhead? Like, Radko Gudis sounds like a high school bully's name. Like, it's just, like, Radko Gudis. Like, every every one of them. Like, Ulf Samuelson. Ulf. Like, they always, they always sound like... Darius Kasparitis. Yeah. They, they knew that you were going to... Claude Lemieux. Like, they knew you were going to be a piece of shit. Yeah. Ty Domi. <laughs> or Ty like, Domi. Oh, boy. Right? You know <laughs> what I mean? They always just sound like they're going to... I don't know. Yeah, they're also the type of guys to get into a fight. And we saw a lot of fights this past weekend. James, I don't know if you saw any of SummerSlam. I did. I don't want to go too much on into this, but I, I just want to say a couple quick things. 
I feel like we are reaching a point with professional wrestling now where it's getting real popular all of a sudden. And what I mean by that is, I mean, if you look at just ticket sales and like how they're doing, you know, Ford Field for SummerSlam, they don't typically do, I mean, usually I can count on like one hand the amount of times they've done a stadium for a SummerSlam. So that's big. They're selling a lot of tickets. They're putting a lot of butts in seats. The Roman Reigns thing is huge. He's on ESPN talking with Stephen A. Smith. It's, it's a thing. And I feel like it's the first time in a long time that I'm watching one of these shows and it feels like there's stars on the show. For the longest time, it always felt like, where the fuck are the stars of this show? Like when it was just John Cena and Randy Orton and there's like no one else is really at that level of, you know, transcending the sport and becoming somebody. You're watching SummerSlam. It's like Brock Lesnar is a, a fucking star. Logan Paul is a star. Cody Rhodes and the reaction that guy gets when he comes to the ring and you have thousands of people yelling, whoa, a star. Gunther. Roman Reigns is a star. Gunther is a star. Fucking LA Knight is a star. It's like you're, you now have like a handful of guys that you can you know, hitch the wagon to and say, this is the guy we're going with or now we're going in this direction. Like it feels like a different time in wrestling. Like back, I, I hate always making this comparison to the Attitude Era days because realistically that was like a four year period in the history of professional wrestling, but maybe less. You look back at that time, it was Steve Austin, The Rock, Mankind, The Undertaker, uh, to a lesser extent, Shawn Michaels. And if you look on the other channel, Kurt Angle. Kevin Nash, Scott Holland, Kurt Angle, um, like you had so many stars that were that people gave a shit about. I felt I felt like for the longest time wrestling has always been like, um, like Cirque, Cirque du Soleil is in town, and it doesn't matter who's on the card. Like you don't know a single person who's going to be performing at Cirque du Soleil. You just go because the circus is in town, and the WWE in a lot of ways is like that, where the circus is in town, so you go and see it. You don't necessarily care if Roman Reigns is there or LA Knight is there or Cody Rhodes is there, but now you do, right? Like now it, it matters when these guys are there. Anyways, and you're you I know, just want to say even name. You didn't even name Seth Rollins or Finn or no. the, the women, Charlotte, Becky. I mean, Becky right. got bumped from the show, but. Bianca is incredible. And EO Sky is incredible. And so they're, they're firing all cylinders right now. It's really cool to see. And Vince is uh, on medical leave, so maybe it'll get better. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, let's <laughs> we'll let that one lie until. Uh, we get more information on that. Though. Yeah, let's hope that just ends the way everyone wants it to. Um, the, the, uh, the, dude, the thing, the takeaways from me from SummerSlam is the the bloodline. They f they continuously find ways to extend the bloodline angle to keep it interesting while moving parts in and out, which I think is yeah. very difficult to do because there was no way for Jay and Roman to end properly unless you take them out. So now you have Jay and, and Jimmy and you can Roman can disappear for a while and this can be a, a thing well, and Solo. They there. also planted they also planted seeds there when like Roman hit that spear on Solo and Solo was like, What the fuck? Like there's there's also tension there, right? There's Between things to build Roman on and Solo. You can choose and so yeah, you it's can, flexible, yep. right? Which is what you want. And then Logan Paul is is their MVP for every event. It's not even close. It's insane. Um, it's just not even. It's so close. good. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, and then it was it was a pretty good show. I thought like 
Ronda Shayna was you know put in a tough spot. I don't yeah. like they they were given a, a shitty program. Or I, actually, I think that's the program they wanted to work. I just don't think it works for that crowd. Um, you know, um, and to think that like the tag champs weren't even really on the show. Well, thing is, like, the show already went past midnight, so sometimes did they have you just a did don't... they have a match? No, Kev's hurt, so no, yeah. It is crazy to think about like Sami Zayn wasn't on the show, but like it's that's the that's the product of having so many stars. And the, right? the like, battle royal wasn't, dude. Amos looked great <laughs> in the battle royal. Like that's how well it was booked. Like even the battle was, royal was good, and it was sold, right? Yeah. Like they had a Slim Jim sponsorship on it. So the amount of money that they probably made on this show, it's just. There's so many things that are happening with this company that I think is going the right direction. The Logan Paul thing is fucking mind-blowing because he opened the show, had his match with Ricochet that we all knew would be great because those two guys just would work really well together. And then immediately hopped on a private plane in his from gear. Detroit in his gear. Like As soon as the match is over, ran out of the building, hopped in a private jet, and flew down to Dallas where, where his brother was fighting Nate Diaz. Like... Fighting. What a fucking why? Yeah, fought. I know, I know. It's it's sports entertainment. I get it. But like, what a wild world those two brothers must be living right now. Like to be wrestling in front of, you know, however many people are in that building, say fifty thousand people at Ford Field, and then hopping in a private jet and flying down across the country to see your brother fight in the main event of another show. Again, I mean, quote unquote fight. I know. But did you see any of that fight? I saw clips yeah. and stuff, dude. I, at the end of the day, I don't know what Jake Paul's doing i mean he's lost two in a row now i just no, don't he won this fight no he won this didn't diaz yeah, win? Jake paul won this fight <laughs> no oh. <laughs> unanimous decision jake paul won the fight oh i thought diaz won nope no well diaz didn't even look like he gave a shit no yeah. see that's the thing like so there's a number of things about this and i'm not here to like speculate on the uh legitimacy of this uh influencer fighting league is what i'm going to call it it is what it is. It's kind of like it's kind of like watching Survivor, you know. It's it's fun to watch. Do I believe there's actually people on this island um, surviving? No, but like it's professional wrestling. It's entertainment. So this is the thing. All the guys that he has fought have either been older and past their prime, and not boxers. And the one time he faces a boxer, he loses. What this says to me is you put him against a top five ranked boxer in the world in his weight class, he's going to get worked. And I mean worked because Tommy Fury is not a top five level boxer. No, he is a good amateur boxer and a decent semi-professional boxer. But man, like... You can't go into a ring with a 40-year-old former UFC fighter who is not a boxer but a striker and say have a boxing match and win and say you beat a boxer because you didn't. Right, but here's the thing. Does it matter? Like to to to, to Jake the comment fan. Yeah. And to like to the the brand that they've created and the the money they're making and like they're selling out buildings, right? Mm-hmm. People are buying the pay-per-views. Um, 
it's interesting because typically to be at that level, to sell out these arenas, to make this much money, to have this much notoriety, to have guys like us talking about this fight on their show, you have to be normally, under normal circumstances, a fighter who wins fights, a guy who has proven himself to be a marquee draw, to be a main event name. He hasn't done any of that, right? Like He's fought Tyrone Woodley and Anderson Silva and now Nate Diaz. And none of those guys are boxers. They're names. They're absolutely names in the combat sports world. But he's found a way to carve in a completely different uh, niche of combat sport star. And you could also argue Logan's doing the same thing, really, where he's working this like part-time WWE schedule that really is only afforded to Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns right now. So I get what you're saying, that he isn't a good, necessarily hasn't proven that he's a good boxer, but I don't know if he has to. If, the, if people are still buying the tickets, like was was Hulk Hogan a great wrestler? <laughs> no, so not at all. Here's here's the thing. Then, then it's clearly then not about the reputation as a boxer. It's just getting paid. Exactly. Like he yes. can he can train all he wants and he can do this all he wants and says whatever. But until you go against somebody like. Because what is he, a cruiserweight? I don't know what the exact weight class is. I can look it up, though. But I think Jake Paul's a cruiserweight. So then if he's a cruiserweight, no, but anyways. No. He's I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he's listed as a cruiserweight as like a boxing, the boxing level. But, buddy, throw him against somebody like... Who's they like, both weighed 185, which by UFC standards would be middleweight. Light, I don't know what boxing would call their... Uh, Oh light no, you're weight, right. Weight They're listed, it's listed as in boxing. It's listed as cruiserweight. In U in MMA, it's listed as middleweight. So Maddie's right, and we're also right. Everyone's right. So okay. So then, who the like the number tenth ranked boxers like throw him against fight, like fight Canelo. Lawrence Acoli. Fight Canelo and see what happens. Oh, Canelo would destroy him. Can- but, Canelo is a a monster. But it's not the point. I know. No, I know that. But this is this is what I'm saying though. Is is I don't care if it's about the money, fine. And I get like you have in order to sell that you have to have the persona, cool. But don't go saying all this stuff and only calling out like old and washed up UFC fighters who have never actually boxed that are more not to say they haven't actually boxed but not competed professionally in boxing because then the second a legitimate boxer is going to call you out or want to fight you and you back down one, you're ruining your brand because then people are going to say what you want to treat yourself like a boxer. Like I think very, he could compete. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he couldn't, but what I'm saying is, is until you start entering that, you're always going to have the doubts and you can't act, I guess, legitimately act the way you do until you start competing level to level listen the money is in a couple years wrestlemania 40 nick and nate versus logan and jake that's gonna be the headliner diaz brothers will be way too like they they can work a match it'll be fine tag match the diaz's versus the pauls you watch 
No, the money's going to be in Jake versus Logan at WrestleMania. <laughs> I wonder. But right? yeah, I, it's, I don't know. It's their new Brett versus Owen. I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm going to throw another Happy Gilmore reference here. The way Jake Paul is running this is like the longest drive competition. That's what it is. It's a guy yeah. a, a guy who can hit the long drives that has some skill having these um special attraction fights and that's what it is they're special attractions you know he's never going to be ranked he's never going to win a title he's never going to fight canelo <laughs> right and is it's that's what it is if you're into the dude tyson has a whole business model based on this fucking musk and zuckerberg are actually going to fight in a cage like the special attraction shit is because we as a species are fucking bored like and this is what happens. I compare it to, and I could probably look this up now in a second, but like, think about Megan Fox. Okay. Is Megan Fox ever going to win an Academy Award for her acting? No. Probably not. Right? But how many followers do you think Megan Fox has on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Oh, a few million. Uh, I'd say, <laughs> yeah, like 21 million people follow Megan Fox on Instagram. So the point I'm trying to make is to be a star, you don't necessarily have to be the best. And Jake Paul and to a lesser extent, maybe Logan Paul as well, have found a way to make themselves stars without having to actually be any good at what they're doing. It's actually brilliant, honestly. Yeah. I mean, they've they they've made they've made ways to make money out of just being villains, right? And they just people want to see them get beat up, and they don't. And that's your it's it's funny. It's the pro wrestling model, actually, yeah. and it's it's insane. You hype the heel, and everyone pays their money to see the heel get beat, and they don't, so they come back the next show because they want to see the heel get beat. So, Maddie, actually, I don't know if it was Maddie from James. I forgot who, who made this reference, but like, it was the Happy Gilmore reference made, that made me laugh. Yeah. It was James. Um, the other like meme I saw on X this week was that scene after uh, Happy Gilmore gets in a fight with Bob Barker, and they're in like the commissioner's office, and they're sitting down, and he's explaining, um, hmm. you know, what Happy's punishment's going to be. Kick so him off the tour, of, Doug. Kick him off the tour, Doug. Yeah, that scene. It's a screen grab of them sitting at the table there, and it's Happy and uh, Shooter McGavin. And it said, this is uh, Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson sitting in the commissioner's <laughs> office on Monday. <laughs> and uh, because if you didn't see the events of the Guardians and White Sox game this past weekend, uh, Anderson and uh, Ramirez got into it there. And man, that was the shittiest punch I've ever seen knock a man down. But brother, <laughs> did uh, Tim Anderson ever get knocked the fuck out on that one shot and if you that have a chance squared up that man squared up like he was on the undercard for for diaz crazy, paul yeah like the craziest thing was like the umpire was in between the two of them and he saw tim anderson square up and he's like I, i'm out <laughs> he just like backed up and yeah. let them tim anderson out. his square up wrote a check that his ass couldn't cash 100 <laughs> percent. oh he got rocked with like you said Arguably the softest punch you'd ever see thrown. <laughs> like Bautista took a bigger punch and didn't 
buckle as bad. Nope. Not at all. Also, another dickhead name, Rugnet Odor. See, I'm telling you, all the dickheads have dickhead names. Yeah. But yeah, no... The the best was the aftermath where that's going around everywhere on Instagram and TikTok where he gets up, guys are trying to get him off the field. He's like, I got this, and he's stumbling all over the place and doesn't know where the fuck he is. That's it. You know what that is? That's a dude who's never dealt with getting a punch in the face like that before. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? It, and you know what's baseball base brawls? are so interesting because the bench is clear and it's usually like it reminds me of high school like everyone circles around like the one you know it's it's really centered around one or two guys but like everybody comes out to like partake i just i don't know basically there's something about a baseball fight that is just like everyone's like in hockey it happens all the time so you're like you go oh, good tilt whatever in baseball you're like oh but you know nothing's ever really gonna happen like what like dude think about the historically memorable baseball fights it's like pedro martinez shoving don zimmer to the ground and then zimmer crying in the press conference <laughs> i'm ashamed of myself I've, I've shamed my family i'm embarrassed like it's so i don't know why i don't know why we get up for this here google five baseball fights or base brawls as you call them and every one of them is like this over top of yeah over yeah, top Maddie's of some other miming guy. people trying to throw punches right now yeah. and it's it's hilarious because every punch is the same it's a guy that he's bart simpson he's like i'm gonna spin my arms and if you get in the way <laughs> yeah it's that's basically it. it's just like bear paws right yeah. it's just yeah it's they're not punches yeah. yeah they're just swiping swipe or no swiping yeah it's very uh i don't know like i can't think of a a classic baseball fight off the t- <laughs> he's still doing the bart simpson i can't think of a classic baseball fight where i'm like remember that tilt like i just don't i remember guys you know, like rushing the mound like mike piazza rushing the mound at roger clemens i remember that shit but like you, you just you know what happens guys get to the other guys quick enough where it just starts a giant wrestling match and guys are getting pushed and pulled and like you might see guys get a couple shots in but or when guys from the benches jog when guys from the benches briskly jog to the altercation like for the bullpen the guys are coming in from the bullpen like really (laughs) you always see like off to the side of your screen you'll see some guy who had nothing to do with anything just like on the floor rolling around holding his leg because someone just fucked something up and yeah (laughs) it's like well that's uh it's a baseball right there for you so that's the thing is it, it it's it's hilarious because and again we're like i know jim and me are probably biased because we grew up in and watching a lot of hockey fights and it's like when you watch guys go at it in hockey like they're they're knuckle chucking like these are dudes who are willing to eat knuckles and also willing to dish it in basketball it like retribution is elbows Uh, i ever saw saw a fight once in a while there's usually a shove from behind on a layup or something like that or like not like the 80s where it's like a forearm shiver to the ribs or the back in baseball retro i think because in baseball retribution is a hundred mile hour fastball sweet chin music right like right to the to the arm or to the to the chest or whatever so i I think each sport has their own level of retribution in baseball it's it's getting dinged in basketball it's getting shoved on a layup in hockey it's you know throwing knuckles and in football i guess it's just getting it's smoked. a blindside hit. it's a yeah. blindside hit 
right? right? Where like you're you're jogging to cover like on a kick return. Where but I think football's so violent in in nature that it doesn't have that need. Like that's why fights in football are so rare is because they're already literally beating the shit out of each other every play. Yeah. And in soccer, also you just. Too lie down also too like it doesn't make sense to fight in football because like in football that helmet is strapped on so tight on the head that and to punch that thing that's gonna suck so there's yeah. just no point in it right so yeah, like, you're like so I said, the difference, right the difference with hockey is a guy's face is exposed you know where in football it's no it's not easy and guys in hockey take their helmets off to fight. Yeah. Like, it's the dumbest fucking thing ever yeah but yeah no it's yeah in soccer guys just you know pat each other on the ass or something yeah. and just fall down but yeah well i think when it happens in baseball it is talked about a lot and like hockey it usually is everyone's favorite part of the game but what i can tell you for certain is that everyone's favorite segment of the week is our next segment show, show. That's right, it is everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is a segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music. Um, hilariously enough, I got a message from, um, I think it was my buddy Ryan, who sent me a message saying, this is your fault. And he showed me a screenshot of Maven YouTube videos being recommended to him on <laughs> on YouTube we're, now. We're, we're churning the algorithm. Oh, boy. <laughs> so you're welcome, Maven, for all the publicity that yeah. uh, we've given you. Yeah, you know what's going to have it? He's going to be getting like, all of a sudden, notifications being like Maven now popular again, and blah. He's like, "What's happening?" Yeah, You're welcome. This show, that's what it yeah. is. I'll go first. Um, as we discussed in our last segment, SummerSlam was this past weekend in Detroit, and during the main event, there's a moment where Jey Uso is like walking along the barricade behind the commentary table. And he's about to do a splash on, I think it was Solo who's on the table, about to do a splash on the Solo, Solo to take him out of commission. And you see for a second, Jay almost fell off the barricade. And there's a dude in a HBK uh, chalk line jacket that holds him up. Do you know who that guy is? Chef Review. That is Chef Reactions. We're Chef Reaction, actually. that's it. Who did Chef a segment Reactions with Baron Corbin? On, he's been doing a little back and forth with Baron Corbin on TikTok. He has a YouTube channel now called Chef Reactions. This guy is hilarious. It's great. Uh, just just very He'll shit on uh, something and be like 10 out of 10 would eat <laughs> 10 right. of them yeah. so if you're not if you're not familiar with the concept basically he just like uh duets other people's tiktoks of them making food and he his gimmick is that he's a legitimate chef and he's like re reviewing their processes and what the food looks like and at the end of the video he'll say like give it a rating out of 10 and say if he would or would not eat it and a lot of times like the nastiest shit is what he'll be talking about he's and like he'll still eat it you know, two out of ten, I'd, I'd fucking try it. Yeah, I, <laughs> so, I like, eat eight of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like he's very like monotone. The deep fried and peanut the butter and jelly. And he's like, I couldn't live without peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, the right. just and that, yeah, his YouTube channel is pretty funny too. Like he's been doing like I was watching his Disneyland stuff the other or Disney World stuff the other day. Awesome. So, anyways, Chef Reactions gets my shout out for a being a good oose and b also just uh, providing some spot on content on TikTok. Me? Yeah. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure I've shouted out this guy before, but I'm going to do it again. Um, and you already explained it. Shout out to Logan Paul, man. Again, I just can't... Listen, you can't... I keep saying this at work, and I don't even know if I said this the last time I said I was a shout out. I said, if we employed Logan Paul in the marketing department, everyone in this company would be fired in marketing because you wouldn't need anybody else. Like, the guy just gets it. Um, and to be able to do what he did hop on a flight, go down and support his brother in Dallas. Like, I mean, it's, you could be like, sure, it's a private jet, whatever. I mean, the guy, it's just the drive to do that. Right. And to be fully committed to being, dude, the guy's fully committed to being a pro wrestler. I don't care if he only wrestles every four months. He wrestles every four months better than 90% of the people do every day. Um, and, and again, from the marketing piece, I saw this video where, him and KSI walk into the supermarket and they have the standee set up for uh, prime promotion or whatever. But KSI was like significantly shorter than Logan Paul in the standee. And it looked like he was going down on Logan Paul, which they like, they brought them in and they thought it was hilarious. It was a mistake or something. But then Logan's like, let's use this. Like, let's use us filming KSI's reaction as marketing. Like, they just, like, it's a mistake, but we'll use it as content, and it'll drive, and sure enough, very popular. Um, so, you know, it's just, I know the guy's gotten a lot of shit, and he, you know, I don't know how far the scam went for his NFT shit or whatever, but at the end of the day, you can't, if, if you want to call the guy a cop-out, you can't, because nobody does what he does on the level that he does, and gives it 10, 15%. So, you know, shout out, the, the guy hustles. So in the good way as also potentially the bad way. But so shout out for the good side of his hustling. Nice. I agree. I, I only saw highlights of his SummerSlam thing. It was like a reel of like Logan Paul's legit. And I mean, for someone who's not really watched any matches and just seeing the highlights, he looks like he can do a lot of shit that a lot of guys have tried and can't really pull off. So, no, cool. Um, mine, honestly, I don't have the guy's name, but it was just experience we had in Ireland. We had a cab driver that he picked us up and essentially, you know, we just said where we're going. And he took us on an impromptu, like, driven tour of Dublin. And he was the nicest guy ever. He took such good care of us. He, you know, did he keep the drove us on? around? What but did he keep the meter on? So that's the thing is like, he was just like, he was talking. He's like, oh, I forgot to start the meter. And we were trying to tip him more after. He's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And he just drove us around. He's like, you, you kids so nice. And you guys are so good. He's first time in Dublin. He drove us around and he would be like, now this spot is this. And just really went, you know, could have just been like, Hey, where are you going? Okay, drop this off. But he was just so nice and he took the time to explain and give us like, like I said, the little tour and stuff. It just made the experience a lot better on, you know, a city that you've never been and, you know, you go places because you Google it and you say, oh, this is like a cool landmark. But to give us a lot of history, you know, saying, you know, this building was built here and was a defensive position building for, you know, when the Vikings invaded the first part of Ireland. And then he went through and said, Oh, at this point and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it was just really cool. And it's stuff like that, that to me stands out. Cause you didn't have to do that. So. 
And we know you didn't have to listen to two hours of us talking, but you did. And we greatly appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of 43.6. Thank you to our sponsor, Now Your Treasures. We'll see you folks next week. And until then, take care of yourselves and each other.